I didn't really think about it until Lee brought it up last night, but uh, uh, folks are going to be listening to this online, uh, so that's a good thing. Technology is, is, is a good thing. Um, so with that in mind, I also have to keep in mind that, that um, you know, I guess now we've had over 100 people that listen to this, so uh, the audience is a bit larger than what we have in front of us. And uh, through that, hopefully we will get some people to uh, come in and, and, and understand the, the passion we have for the truth. So tonight is the last lesson. So this is going to be the culmination of everything that we started on Sunday, going through um, you know, our, our Bible class study in that morning, going through. And uh, the culmination of everything for this subject matter, the truth of it, is what I want to present tonight. And tonight, I, uh, I know that because of Scripture, I have the answers to all of these issues. So every day when, when I pray, I pray for wisdom. And it's, it's wisdom to be able to understand and know the truth. And the truth in all things. And getting this wisdom about the truth is, is not from me. That truth is gained from God through the written word. So what I want to ask you to do tonight is I'm going to we're going to have a few scriptures where I'll, I'll give you book, chapter, and verse. I'm going to purposefully not give book, chapter, and verse for a lot of verses. It's going to be contained within what I'm saying. And I'm going to do that because we're told to be fair-minded and follow the example. They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica that they... they studied the scriptures daily to find out if those things that they were told were true. We've forgotten that and allowed man to come up and tell us whatever. And because the Bible's open, he must be telling the truth. No, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to take everything that is said and, and take everything that, that I say. It's being recorded. Listen to it again. Listen to it over again. Tear it apart. Every syllable, everything. Where did I get what I was saying? Where did it come from? Go find out and research it. Find out if what I said was true. So if you want to read along with me, uh, I'm going to be going to Acts. We're going to start in chapter 8. Book of Acts, chapter 8. <clears throat> starting on verse 9. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. 
both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So Simon put on a very good show. Simon was able to attract people with what he was doing to the point where he, he had to have props and something there to attract the people to him and some type of trick that they would think that they were seeing the work of God and that this had to be God because they were excited by this and it had to be something great. So we live, you know, here in the, the our modern age where we've been to the moon, we've... we've uh, We've got the internet, Google tells us everything. It's right there at our fingertips. Basically all the, the recorded digital knowledge of the world, everybody can pull out right now and find. It's amazing. We're pretty smart, right? We're, we're, we know things. So, you know, those people back then, they're, they're you know, how ignorant are, were they? How, how simple were they back in those times that they believed what they were seeing was something from God and he was making a profit from it. That's why he wanted to buy it because he knew he could get something from it. We wouldn't fall for that today. We're too smart. So if your friend asked you to go to church with them on a Sunday and you go, you go, you go and you say, okay, I'm going to go worship with them. And then you go, you sit down, church looks a little bit different. There, there's like, you know, it's an auditorium and, and, and there's those nice kind of individual stadium seats. And you're, you're sitting down waiting for worship, then the lights go down. It's almost like a, a, a show. And the lights go down real dim, then there's nice soft lights that come up, blues and greens, something that calms you down. And, then, then, and, and if it's specifically geared towards a teen service, there's probably smoke, you know, coming up and... And the people are excited. Look at it. We're about to have a great experience here with God. And then the music starts real slow, and you, you, you know the they, the drums start going, and the bass you know player he's he's starting to play a little bit of bass, getting that emotion worked up a little bit. And then you you, uh, you then they'll they got to throw in that acoustic guitar, and then the electric guitar, and it's very nice. It's probably a melody that you recognize. Oh, I recognize that. And then. Everyone starts singing, you know, real chanting, really holy, holy, holy. That's, you know, over and over again. And then you look around, you notice that a few people are, are starting to cry and people are standing up and, and moving their arms and, and, 
if so, you see it, well, I, I don't want to be the odd man out. I'm going to get up and do it too. And then almost on cue, the man that's up there that's running it can see that I'm starting to get him spun up. And then boom, let's, let's, let's you know, get it kicked all the way up. It becomes loud. And then we're, they're just, they're praising God. And then you look around and everybody's crying. And, and, and that person's up there saying, I've, God is in here. God is in here right now. Don't you feel it? Don't you feel the presence of Jesus in here? And yes, and then, then it just gets more and more. And you can feel it, that electricity of the people. It's palpable. You, know, palpable. you can feel it. It's a physical thing. So they're there crying, dancing, babbling incoherently. And at this point, they're in full corporate worship of themselves. And full corporate worship of man and full corporate worship of emotion and feeling and, and, and worship of this experience. Nobody would fall for that. These days we're too smart. But we know better. So uh, he's, uh, I, I know that, that this person is from the Church of Christ. Yes, go and find out if what I just said is, is, is truth. Find out. And then listen to what I'm about to say and find out, is that truth? If you don't find it to be truth, talk to me about it. Well, you know, the Church of Christ, you're, you're just another denomination. It's a denomination because you've got a name on the building and, and it's a denomination. Well, Acts 20.28 says that the church of God, it's referenced multiple times. The church of God, and it's speaking about the church. True. Yes. When it says that, it's in reference to the church as a whole. Well, Romans 16.16 says the churches of Christ are referenced as when you're describing a collection of individual autonomous congregations together. So you have the church as a whole, and then when you're addressing, when, or when uh, the scripture's addressing the, each congregation in total, they refer to them as the churches of Christ. So a lot of times when people ask me, well, what church do you go to? What I would like to say, because uh, people are ignorant about the truth as I would like to say that well I associate myself as a member of, uh, of a group that is like minded and that we share a common faith in God and that we, we believe that, that through Christ we have intercession to God and we worship in a manner that's consistent with his teachings and commands that uh, were established on the day of Pentecost so if I said that you're going to be like whoa what it's best to keep it simple it's easy to identify. We, you, everything has to be identified. Otherwise, you wouldn't know where you were going. So it's easy. What's wrong, with, what's wrong with that? The church of Christ. Nothing. Okay, good. It works. Move on. Stop worrying about that. If there was a sign out front that said, Church of God. If, if somebody changed that sign out there that said Church of God and I came in here on Sunday and we were singing 
singing praises, as told to us in Scripture, singing praises. There was, we were praying. We gave. We took it to the Lord's Supper. We heard a message. Offered to help anybody that needs any help. If those things were done, and they were done in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. Truth of what was written and told, what we're supposed to do. If those things were done, and the sign out front says, Church of God, I would call the people there my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because those things were done in spirit and in truth. You know, we got emojis and everything is cut down these days. We're abbreviating everything. 200 years from now, maybe you drive down the road and it'll just say, Acts chapter 2, Sunday, 9.30 a.m., 10 o'clock. Well, maybe at that point in the society, they would, they would be able to recognize, well, those are, those are those Church of Christ people that it's a cult and they, they're terrible. They're crazy. They're, they're crazy. Okay. What's the truth of that, though? You will be hated for my name's sake. Atheists don't hate us. The world doesn't hate us. I've gotten the most feedback and vitriol and, and anger from other people who claim to be Christians when I say, well, you know, yeah, I just don't, uh, it's not in Scripture, so I don't do that, and they just can't believe it, and then it's attack mode. Those people that are this close. Many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, depart from me. Ye who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. So another thing, uh, well, you Church of Christ people believe that everybody that isn't a member of the Church of Christ is going to go to hell. As I just described, that if you put the name out there up front, Church of God, and, and, and everything is being done in spirit and truth, and it matches up with Scripture, as I know that Scripture and the truth to be, then no. Yes, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. No, I don't believe the Church of Christ has a monopoly on salvation, because that's how we identify ourselves here. There are lots of people on planet Earth outside of North America. There's lots of people that meet in spirit and truth in places that don't have a sign. Are they going to hell? If they're worshiping in spirit and in truth, no. But we confuse the world with the truth. I have never heard, I'll be 40 in April, I have never, ever heard a Church of Christ member speak to another human being and say, you're going to hell. I have never heard that from a member of the Church of Christ. But there is a belief out there that you're the church that says that, that everybody's going to hell that isn't there. Never heard anybody say that. I've heard churches of Christ plead with people to take the word of God for what the word of God is and do what it says because it's not to be messed with. That's what that pleading is. I know that I have no authority. I know that vengeance is not mine. 
I know that my opinion about whether or not you're going to hell has, I don't, I don't judge that. So I'm never going to tell another human being, you're going to hell. Because that's ridiculous and crazy for me to think that I even have a drop of authority. Now I know what the scripture says about it. I know what the truth is. Bottom line is, is none of us are going to be standing before a man on the day of judgment. We're not. So you might want to be serious about finding out what the truth is. Don't ever let a man tell you what scripture says and, and you don't go check it out. Yeah, but y'all are crazy. Y'all don't use musical instruments in your worship service. They're multipliers. It's no big deal. All it does, it, 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 it helps. It adds to it. It gives that, right, now we're going into feeling territory. How do you think we got to a stupid light show and people crying and acting like fools in worship? It started with the piano. It's not a big deal. It's just there. It helps us stay in tune. What's the problem? God gave us the most beautiful and perfect instrument that has ever been created because it was created by God, and that's our human voice. I talked earlier in the week. In order to be successful playing a mechanical music, you have to be able to sing it in your head. It has to come from your heart. You can take it everywhere with you. You can worship anywhere with your brothers and sisters with that voice as commanded. But people, I mean, think it's staggering how vain and arrogant mankind is. God gave us all of this. He gave us our voice, the most perfect instrument we could possibly ask for. How arrogant are we? You know, God, I get it. I appreciate that. But listen to me, God. I can make it better. I can help you. I, we'll get more people in here. Are you crazy? The creator of everything... You're going to help him? You're going to, add, you're going to multiply worship to him? That's the truth. It's insanity. So, piano's going to help you be in tune, help you keep rhythm. If you're in worship and you were honestly there to worship in spirit and truth and you were singing and you were worried about the intonation of the group and, and whether or not that they're in rhythm and you're not singing praises from your heart to God as commanded, you're there to be entertained. Even if it's a cappella, then you, you've tricked yourself into being entertained. That's why I don't care so much for the, the praise groups up front to help everybody sing too. It doesn't matter. I don't care how terrible the person behind me sings. It doesn't matter. Because together we're, we're singing praises and worshiping God. 
but people love to have their ears tickled. I said it earlier in the week, and, and, and I believe it. I just, I wish, you know, sell those stupid instruments and, and, and find the truth, get back to it. It's already in your heart. You already know, because if it has to be debated, there's probably something wrong. Why err on the side of, I guess I was wrong, when you're dealing with eternity? To find out what the truth of anything is, you know, I said I pray for wisdom, and that wisdom isn't just, just for the knowledge of, of, of what the Bible says. But when you get the wisdom that the Bible gives you, you gain wisdom in how to handle every situation, how to rightly divide every situation, how, how to weigh things out, how to make a good decision. So when I went and, and, and got in, I had to figure out what the military law was. I tore it apart word by word. I was reading it, got to something to wit. What does that mean? I better look it up. Ah, that's what that means. Word, word, word. Okay, and then a uh, couple months later, I had it, nailed it, got it. I was an expert. But I had to tear it apart. We have to do that with Scripture. Because if you don't do that with Scripture... You listen to all those, 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 those folks and you listen to a lie. You have to approach it with that same, that, you know, the veracity as if your life depended on it because it does and I'm not talking about your life here. I'm talking about your eternal life. It depends on it, literally. So when I approach studying scripture and I want to know the truth of it, the truth of it is, is that, yes, we, we have the scripture. Have it there. Okay, well, I'm going to study a book. I'm going to set aside that I'm going I'm to figure out what's going on in Matthew. Okay, Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look. What's the time frame? What's going on in secular history at that time? I'm going to read that. I'm going to read the history and study it. What's going on in the world? What is it like? It's not going to look the same as here. What's Rome doing? What are they all about? Where are they all at? What's Ethiopia doing? Because we, we talk about this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, and the implications are way more than it's an Ethiopian eunuch, because if you study and know what's going on in Ethiopia and who's in charge and where they were at and their relationship with Rome, that becomes so much more important and deep as to why it mentioned that Ethiopian eunuch being converted. Study the history. Know what's going on. Know the vernacular of the day. How do people talk? When there's scripture, especially Old Testament, and something is said twice, that means something. Figure out what that means. Why it's repeated twice. What, what in the culture and the language at that time is, is that stated twice? Why is that so important? Find out what the, the, you know, the, the politics of the day are. Our entire lives outside of God and all you hear all the time is politics, politics, politics. It shapes how we think and what we do. It makes people miserable. It makes some people happy. They get wrapped up in it. That's their lives. That's their God. We need to submit to authority, but people turn that. We talk about idol worship on Sunday mornings this quarter. People turn that into an idol. They put that above God. Figure that out. 
It's important to know how people talked during that time. How did people talk during the first century? Specifically, how did the folks in Jerusalem? What, was, what kind of allegory did they use? What kind of, of imagery would they put in their writings? What kind of metaphor did they use? Because you see, Revelation's a huge mystery, right? Nobody understands it, and it's crazy. Go study all those things I just talked about, then go read Revelation. You're going to realize that the book of Job is so much harder to understand when you come down to it than the book of Revelation. It's simple. If you take the time to figure out what else was going on. Study the philosophy of the day. The, the, I, I like philosophy. The philosophy of today is centered on the, the issues with very heavily right now in our country about uh, gay rights, LGBTQ, AZ, three T's and something, community. And, and it's talked about. That's, that's what they talk about. So in the future, if they go back and look at philosophy at that time, they'll know that in this little part of time right now, for some reason, we were absolutely obsessed with not hurting each other's feelings. It's important because it goes into the writing. It goes into everything we do. It's, it goes into how we conduct ourselves. I didn't, five years ago, I wasn't concerned about offending somebody by calling them him when it looked like a man and then they tell me that they're actually a woman or prefer to be called that. I didn't think about that. But now I think about that just because it's so much. Somebody comes in, I see him, and I'm like, I don't know. So I'm going to roll the dice and guess. You know, but those things are important. When you know those things in specific context, a tax collector, it, it, you can read over the scriptures, okay, a tax collector, think IRS, some guy that likes numbers. No, that was the mafia. That was the first century strongman. He collected the taxes, yeah, but he was going to get more. And, and I'm not too smart, but I know if somebody says, well, well you know, you've got to give me $5 in taxes, and I know I've got to give you 5 but you come up and say, you actually owe me 20 How's that work? You're going to give it to me. So that tax collector, the tax collectors were, were hated because of that. It's important to know those things. Then when I finally get to reading the book I'm studying, I need to know the five W's specifically to that book. Who's writing it? What are they writing about? When is it being written? Where? Those things are important. And they're important for context. If you're going to approach a Bible study and you're going you're to go to a, a book and study it, study that book in context. Because the context of people being addressed in Corinth is not the same of the context of the message being preached in Pick Another Book. It's 66 books put together in a compendium of one thing that we, we call the Bible. Don't forget that. Okay, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Find the truth in that statement. It's easy to say the Bible contradicts itself. It's got eight bazillion contradictions. It's a lie. It's a lie. And you're too lazy to go find out what the truth is. Because it's a lie. We studied this. And we found out that those thousands of errors came down to punctuation and words that were flip-flopped. 
That's the truth. And if you don't believe me, go research it yourself. Go study it. Do all the things I just said before that. Come to a conclusion. And if it's different from the one I told you, I'll say you're right. Major contextual errors, context from Genesis to Revelation, there are zero. Mathematicians and everybody else that doesn't quite believe tries to, tries to, to wrap this around their heads, and they say they just they don't understand that they have to admit that it is so interwoven together through the whole story with no major errors. It is amazing. Those are people that don't believe. I will not have a debate with anybody about the truth. I'll have a discussion with them. A debate implies that two people are going to get up and be pitted against each other, and then I'm going to give my statement, they're going to give their counterstatement, and then we're going to have an audience of people that are sitting there. Who's going to win, Baptist or Church of Christ? I would sit with anybody, anytime, any day. I would drop whatever I was doing to have a conversation about those exact same subjects but not turn it into a competition in front of other people. That's vain. And I also believe that it's as ridiculous and futile to have a conversation about those issues as it would be for me to have a conversation with somebody about abortion. Killing babies is murder. Murder is not acceptable, period. There's not a debate. I can't walk down the street and kill a homeless man because I said, well, it's my choice that I don't want to see him. He's bothering me. It's a nuisance to me. I don't want my tax dollars to feed it. It's a problem. Kill it. Or decapitate it and sell the body parts. We can do that too, Planned Parenthood. It's wrong. It's not a debate. We've got this other idea that, that also is thinking in our heads, and we spend a lot of time worrying about the, the atheist and unbelieving community. And, and it's this, the, I've heard it a bunch, is it, an argument or a statement that says, well, look at it this way, atheist. If you're right and I'm wrong, I don't lose anything. But if I'm right and you're wrong, ooh, you're in trouble. All that is is you're testifying to that person that you have a complete lack of faith in what you're trying to teach them. What if? There's not a what if. You either believe or you don't. You believe totally or you don't. It's not a, well, if we do die and it just so happens that it wasn't. Again, Defend the faith. Christ said you will you'll be hated for my name's sake. Defend it. You have to be brave about defending that. When I approach, when I, when I say that I'm fair-minded and I approach anything, I mean it. I have studied and torn apart all the major religions. Fair-mindedly. I've read... Catholicism, all about it, where it started, who started it, what happened, and all that history stuff I said that you need to do before you go into it. Lutheranism, the Reformation, the Restoration, all of it, I came to the same conclusion every time. 
It was the truth of the Bible. Simple. If you think I'm wrong, be fair-minded and do the same thing for, for God. You're not doing it for me. Do it for yourself. Okay, well, you're that church that doesn't allow women to, to, to preach and, 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 and pray and lead singing. You subjugate women. You, you can't stand your women. If you say that, you have never honestly, being fair-minded, known a faithful, true Christian woman. The strength and determination of a true Christian woman is awe-inspiring. It's terrifying. It is. It's amazing. If you're in a relationship, you're married with, with a Bible-believing, true Christian woman, I guarantee you not a day goes by at some point in your head because men don't like to say it out loud. But every day there's a point I know in my life that I think, my God, I don't deserve you. This gift from God that was given to us, that was set up, established at the beginning of time when he saw that Adam needed a, a, a helper, We subjugate our women. We, they, they teach our children. We, we subjugate them, yet we trust them to set the very foundation that, is, that plants the seed that we hope that they grow. That's not subjugation. That's trust. That's trust. That's reverence. It's, it's serious. If, if you say that, that, that they're subjugated, talk to one. And it's that respect that, that I know that us men in the Church of Christ, that if we were lucky enough to grow in it, learn from the women in our lives then, and, and we were given. Here's an amazing thing. If you follow God's plan for the family, one man, one wife, you stick together, you push through it, things just like kind of work out magically. And you also do. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. I tell them all the time, you're second. She's first. And the quicker you figure that out, the, the easier your life around here is going to be. Because other than telling you to hurt yourself or someone else, and, and she says, this is what's going to happen in this house, that's what's going to happen in this house. And I've told him, as soon as she tells me, there's nothing I can do for you. So the truth is that, that, that we're not alone. You're not alone. All solutions are contained in, in the 66 books of the Bible. We need to change our perspective, and if you're struggling out there, you have to change your perspective from worrying so much about this life and being happy in this life and realize that it, it passes as a vapor. Be focused on your eternal life. 
Be focused on the truth that will lead you to that eternal life. And that's the truth that, that's written here. One of my favorite things from the Bible was that we're told, pick up your cross and bear it, this idea, right? Pick up your cross and bear it. You know, we, we, we discuss happiness as just one of the many emotions that we go through, the happiness, the sorrow, the depression, all of that, that it's just one of, one of the few things that get added to that cross that we have to bear and push forward. But like I said earlier in the week, that just adds to that composition, that symphony of your life, that, that, that the point is, is that, that hopefully you come to a point where you become a, a deep and profound person that is able to help other people and dealt with those things. Not to go find happiness, that will happen. You embrace that and, and, and then find the truth that will culminate in the solution to all these problems in life. So the whole point of a gospel meeting, the truth of all of it and the truth of everything I've said from Sunday up until now is the truth that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to pick up your cross and bear it. Put yourself together. Pick yourself up. Own it and use it. We use God's name in vain so much. I mean, we as in the collective us, uh, everyone. You hear it all the time. It's, it's, it's so natural now. It's so natural now. I work with people that are pastors' wives, pastors and I, I have to hear a million times a day oh Jesus and I quoted this earlier in the week because it is also another one of my favorites out of the depths I cry to you oh God that's screaming for mercy from the bottom and 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 that's an appropriate time to invoke the name of God. Not because somebody scared you. Or because your browser crashed. They use and throw around and have made the name of God so insignificant that it's turned into the mess that the so-called people that call them Christians, themselves Christians, are in today. And it starts with that, taking his name in vain. Go research why the Israels spelled God, the Israelites spelled God's name the way they did when they did it. Go research that. Go find out why they did that. That's how big of a deal it is. Find out why. Why would you take the name of God in vain? God who created the universe. God who breathed life into man. 
God who through Abraham created a nation that he was able to establish so that think about this God did all this so that he could send his son Jesus Christ being holy man and holy God send him into a, a, a corruptible world to experience happiness, loss, grief, depression, pain, suffering. God did that so that, that one, we couldn't have an excuse that, well, he really can't understand. <laughs> he can, he did. He went through more than, than we, we can't even comprehend what the, the significance and the impact of what Christ did. We can't comprehend it. We can try to, but it's not going to happen. But we'll throw that name around. Our God, who, who he was led to the slaughter, he was falsely accused, and he said nothing. He allowed himself to be stripped naked and humiliated and spit on and beat nearly to death, tortured, and endured a level of mental anguish to the point where he cried blood and sweat blood. Forget the physical stuff. Have you ever been so depressed and sad that blood started coming out of your pores because your, your internal organs were, couldn't take it? Because you were so depressed and sad? Because we throw this out all the time too. He died to take on all the sin of the world. What does that imply? Every time that you sin and you feel that nasty part inside of you that says, like, I did a bad thing and you feel guilty for it, multiply that by every human that ever had lived or ever will live and put that all into one and put that on yourself. That's what that means. And you're going to play with that? You're going to say, thanks for my voice, God. Thanks for giving me the ability to sing to praise you. But I'm going to help you out. Because I'm so vain and I'm so ignorant and I'm so prideful. And I don't have enough humility that when I see it and I know it's wrong, I can't admit I was wrong. I would say, you know, admit that you turn the worship service into an abomination, but we know in Scripture that God says that if you're not worshiping Him correctly, He doesn't even know. He's not there. He is not there. He doesn't care. He doesn't see it. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. So you may have gone to church, and you may have gone and been entertained and thought you were doing something good. Never knew you, all because you wouldn't study it for yourself because you let some man lie to you. But you let somebody tell you that, oh, it's a Church of Christ mentor, and you're just going to get offended, and you're going to take all that pride with you. I'll never tell somebody they're going to hell, but I have a good idea what happens to people who do not obey the word because it says in there what's going to happen. I don't judge you, but I can read. Think about it. Is eternity worth it? Is eternity worth your pride? 
Is it that important to get all of that junk and, and put it into your worship? Is it worth it? Are you insane? He was humiliated, stripped naked, spit on, beaten, the mental anguish, and hung on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins, so that he could provide intercession for me to God. He did that for me. He expects me to do something back because he, he says it. I better do what he said. I better follow his word. I better not add to it. I better not take away from it. I better be terrified of doing that. Caleb was, was very nervous last night and shaking. He does it before. I'm like, you've done this before. It's like the play at school. He said this is different. And I thought about it. You can learn stuff from your kids. Yeah, it is. You should be scared because if you're going to stand up in front of somebody and claim you're telling the truth, you should be terrified. Because if you didn't tell them the truth and they believed the lie and it cost them their soul, you were doubly accountable. So we better worship him how we're supposed to. And it is extremely simple. Men and brethren, what do we do? Repent all of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's that simple. Be faithful. Learn. Get over yourself. I've seen the worst that man can do to each other. For whatever reason, I was the type of person that I just had to go and see it. I had to do it, and I'm not just talking about war. A life of, of, of sin and depravity and, and get your checklist. And it was misery, and it was, it was hell. But I know that I don't know what real hell is. Just as I cannot honestly sit here and fathom what joy heaven would be like, I can't sit here and honestly say that I can fathom what torture hell would be like. And I don't even, I, I'm not even going to say, well, it's fire and all that. Having a complete and total absence away from God would be hell enough. Because then you're on your own and you're lost, stuck in your own head, trying to figure your way out. And whether you got me on fire or I'm stuck in that situation, that's hell. And if you were not obeying what was written in the word that's the state that you're in and you're going to and you'll be in until you figure it out. Men and brethren, what do we do? Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Okay. Faith by works, works by faith. But this book says this and that book says that. Refer back to what I said about studying your history and context and it'll clear up pretty darn quick because you pulled a sentence out of a book and taught that as truth be careful this week has done a lot for me and I've enjoyed it and I've enjoyed the opportunity to uh, bring these messages for you and I promise that is what all of this stuff and when I finally figured it out I never really understood what that, that uh, verse meant 
to rejoice in suffering, I understand what that means. I will rejoice in my suffering, I'll bear my cross. And I want to be the person that's strong enough so other folks can depend on me, help them, and they can help other people and do what we're supposed to do, and let's get this word out. So if you have any spiritual need, we ask that you come forward this time. Give Lee a second. You ready? Oh, <laughs>